As always, subscribe and click the notification bell on our YouTube channel. Be active on our Facebook group, East Coast Distressed Note Investing. And be sure to go to our website for all your note investing tools, resources, and available assets. If you have any questions, email us at tradedesk at jkpholdings.com. Hey everybody, Dave Putz here from JKP Holdings. Alongside of me, of course, Mr. Nathan Turner, as always. Hope yeah. all is well with you. Um, we're just mentioning the rain. We're getting some crazy rain recently. We're having some rain this afternoon, too. So um, not sure how I'm going to like this thing. Hopefully Halloween for us kind of gets better. Um, but we'll see from there. Um, I wanted to kind of see what your plans are. I mean, I know we'll be seeing each other in a few days. Yeah. I know that um, Note Expo is coming up. If you don't have tickets and you want to get them, reach out to us. Uh, we'll set you up. Um, yeah. But from now, I think, you know, what's been new in your world? What's been going on? I knew um, I, I've, I've talked to you a little bit, but I know you've been kind of dealing with all these conferences. I have. Yeah, it's been a busier time than it has been for a long time, actually. <laughs> the traveling is is uh, coming back online, which which, you know, is good and bad. I, I actually, I'm surprised at how much I've missed it. Uh, Cause it was getting to the point there where I was, I just was getting tired and I, I wasn't, uh, I don't know. I was just tiring more than anything else. It was always useful and productive, but just tiring, yeah. but uh, I'm surprised how much I missed it. I'm actually, and you know, I've talked to a few people now they're going to note expo and I'm, I'm, it's interesting how excited everybody is. And I just kind of get that feeling that everybody's just really looking forward to it and getting back together and, and, you know, getting back with a group of people that can talk notes. It's, it's, you know, really we do miss that conversation of like, yeah. okay, I don't got to teach the basics of point or even, you know, your, your family is like, I don't want to hear anymore. Like we talk <laughs> yeah. about something else, like they bring up politics or coping. You're like, listen, I'm going back into real estate, you know? Yeah. So <laughs> For me, I've been dealing with a lot of bankruptcy problems. A lot of stuff stuck there. We have a couple of cases where the trustee, I'm sure Aaron reached out to you, is stuck at like they're open on Tuesdays and Fridays from one to two o'clock. It's like, what is like, you can't answer an email or take a phone call? Like, yeah. I don't get it. I don't like bankruptcies. We've, we've been over this. I don't like bankruptcies <laughs> in general. They're just, they're a pain in the butt. I don't, I don't like dealing with them. They're time consuming. I, I just, I'm not a fan, Yeah. but that's me. You know, like I know you get bankruptcies all the time and so yeah. you must like them. <laughs> I just you know, <laughs> I, I enjoy the payment, payment stream that comes with it. Right. I enjoy yeah. that. The, the, the extra money, right. As I call it, um, and then when you sell it, you can sell with a P and I in mind. But for yeah. those couple of years, you're getting that extra payment. Um, are you doing any kind of evictions right now? Any kind of with that in mind? Uh, I am. I've got a couple of evictions uh, that have started. I've got uh, this is a. I'll tell you more about it next week. I've got a, a mediation meeting actually next Friday uh, during the conference. I'm going to have to. <laughs> miss the first couple of hours to do this mediation meeting. I've got one in, it's in Connecticut. Oh my goodness. Connecticut's tough enough to begin with, but then this guy is just like, he's crazy. And just, and it's, it's an interesting situation. Anyway, I'll fill you in next week, but yeah. <laughs> the guy well, is awesome. everybody. just out there. So we'll see. So 
And for me, you know, we're seeing a lot of inventory. I'm seeing a lot of um, non-QM stuff recently. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're seeing some portfolio come through. Um, and I'm curious what's going to happen. I'm going to have a call with uh, some friends uh, this afternoon about some stuff to see where they're going with some inventory that they're going to be releasing. They're just trying to release it at the right time, make sure their portfolio and time yeah. with the capital they need. They don't want money sitting there. They want yeah. to keep recouping it. Um, so it's interesting. Now, your experience, you're buying, you bought CFDs and first and whatnot. Have you bought a lot of seconds? I bought, I think I've owned two seconds in my career. And one was by accident. One was on purpose. <laughs> one, I think we didn't know it was a second. Uh, and then the other one, we did know it is second, but we also owned the first. So that was okay. Oh, that's a nice situation. So that, that was an interesting one. That was in Hawaii. Um, that's the only Hawaii note I've ever bought. And that that's yeah. also a tricky state to deal in. Yeah. But, and in fact, we ended up doing a, um, like a deed in lieu oh. just because the court system is so slow. It's ridiculous. <clears throat> but anyway, the other one was an accident. It worked out, but I didn't intend to buy a second. <laughs> yeah. So it's weird because I bought a few seconds not performing. I bought some performing, uh, bought some CFDs, but didn't dive into it like you have. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've met a lot of really good second investors um, and they're really awesome to talk with. Yeah. I, I, at times I can't relate to them because their process is a whole lot different from ours, even though they're still in the same space. Yeah. I, I find the second space really interesting and I can see how somebody could be attracted to it but it's yes. not my preference. It's not something I want to do. So I'm, I'm always interested to talk to seconds people and get their perspective and why, why would you go seconds instead of a first? I, I much prefer it, but I'm always curious and they've always got good reasons. So I'm excited yep. for a guest today. Yeah. I think for me is understanding their process, right. And mm-hmm. understanding what, what they do. I, yeah. I'm, I, I just don't understand sometimes what they do to get into an asset, what matters, what doesn't matter to them, right? Mm-hmm. And what they avoid, what they don't avoid. So it's really cool because you talk to any first investors and each one of them has a little different spin on what they do and what fits their box. Yeah. Um, and for whatever reason. Yeah. So it's it's cool to have that conversation. I encourage everyone, talk to as many people as you possibly can. Don't stick with one person. I'm not saying that one trainer is bad. I'm just saying is you get different angles of things. Yeah. Me and Nathan have been on a call before and you're like, well, I like it for this reason. I'm like, I don't like it. And we differ on our opinion. Mm-hmm. We're neither right or wrong. So awesome. Yeah. So curious to hear. We've got Daphne Wilson here too and a seconds person. So we're, yeah, we're well, interested welcome, to Daphne. kind of pick yeah, her brain and figure it. out what's up with what's up with seconds. <laughs> <laughs> welcome, Daphne. Enjoy. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. No, my pleasure. Uh, absolutely. So, so Daphne, can you give us a background, how you got started, what channels you went down, what tree you came from, you know, for new investing, everyone comes from a tree. Share your background a little bit. Sure, sure. Um, my background is actually uh, corporate technology. So a computer scientist uh, for over 25 years, um, work for a lot of Fortune 500, Fortune 100 companies uh, in the regulatory and compliance space, um, predictive analytics, big data, whatever you want to call it. Um, that's my background. And um, 
they had just gotten burnt out. Um, you know, had a great, great career, excellent salary, uh, but was just burnt out. Um, I remember sitting in my office um, at the time I was working in the, the Sears Tower, now the Willis Tower, and uh, looking out the window onto Lakeshore Drive, people were out in their boats and, you know, jogging and rollerblading and having lunch with friends. And I'm sitting here slaving over a hot computer and just thinking to myself, you know, there's just got to be a better way. There's just, uh, I'm just ready for something different. And uh, so I figured real estate would be a way to, uh, to retire myself. Um, didn't have a real estate background other than, you know, owning my own home. And uh, so I went to a, um, a real estate seminar uh, that they have all over the country. And uh, the gentleman opened up the seminar by talking about the top 10 or 12 ways people make money in real estate. And he mentioned uh, note investing. And you know, he said, hey, you, know, you can buy the mortgage instead of the property and people will make their monthly mortgage payment to you for the next 15, 20, 30 years. And I thought, that's how I'm going to retire. <laughs> <laughs> that's it right there. <laughs> so, um, so I, you know, I went home, I researched, and um, I just really liked what I learned and um, decided that that's the route that I was going to take. So, um, and, and this company, they were, they're a real estate focused, right? So they didn't even go into it besides just that brief introduction. That was it. Um, they focused more on rentals and fixing and flipping. That's what the, the seminar was going to be about. Mm -hmm. uh, but I wasn't interested in that. I wanted to know more about this no investing <laughs> thing. And, uh, you know, once he told me it was going to be about, you know, fixing and flipping and, you know, rentals and. I said, no, that's, that's not, I'm, I'm interested in, in this note investing. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, it took me a, a year um, uh, for, to find someone that, you know, teach me business. Uh, so I hung in there. Um, I started investing in seconds uh, because at the time, well, and I guess in a sense still now I'm highly risk averse. So mm -hmm. I do not uh, like to lose money. And I thought, Investing in seconds did a, a few things for me. One, it was a, uh, a price point that I could afford mm -hmm. when I was getting started. Um, it was, uh, I didn't have a huge chunk of money uh, in the bank to buy a first mortgage, you know, the 200, 300, $500,000 first. I didn't have that kind of money. Mm -hmm. um, so seconds were more in my price range. Uh, and then also, um, it minimized the likelihood of me having to take over the property, mm -hmm. which was something I had no interest in. Mm -hmm. So my focus became uh, buying a delinquent second mortgage where the homeowner was current on the first mortgage and had never been late. Mm -hmm. uh, because, you know, alone meeting that criteria it's not very likely that a homeowner is gonna lose their home over a $30,000, $40,000 second mortgage if they can work out a payment mm -hmm. that they can afford. So I really, I was really attracted to, to that. So the price point and also um, the less likelihood that I would have to take over that property. 
Cool. Really so you have the traction, right? That's the, that's the hook. Yeah. Yes. So this is 2015 or so. So we're now we're six years removed from there. You've, I'm sure you've interacted with other second investors in the space, right? We're a very small space. Share who you dealt with. Who are the people you look up to? Who gave you your education? Who gave you your knowledge? Who mentored you? Um, oh, gosh. And I still have these mentors today. So. Are you a node investor just looking to learn the basics without paying a ton of money or spending a ton of hours online or in a course? Well, we have a great solution for you. We have a video series that covers 20 different topics, with each video being less than 15 minutes. This means less fluff and direct to the content. To learn more, head to www.jkpholdings.com slash beginner dash series to learn more. Again, jkpholdings.com slash beginner dash series to learn more. Uh, Fuquan Bilal, um, I credit him with teaching me this business, uh, basically holding my hand and, you know, uh, being there when I call and text, you know, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and yeah. uh, Sherman Arnowitz, yeah. uh, Keyhole, Keyhole Financial, uh, very uh, instrumental and, you know, um, made himself available to me, um, you know, as I was going through different scenarios. Um, also, um, Mike Kelly. Mike oh, Kelly. Oh. oh, man. He's such a straight shooter. I just love Mike. If ever mm -hmm. I just want just the straight, no chaser version. I mean, if I, if I say something that's, you know, he thinks is insane, he'll say, Daphne, that's insane. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't sugarcoat it. I just love yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. And the thing with these guys, I could have one question. I'll ask each of them separately mm -hmm. the same mm -hmm. question, and I'll get three radically different answers. Yeah. And so, you know, my response is always a hybrid because they 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 always have a great reason for, you know, for what they what they're sharing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And we've talked about this before in first too, you know, like you say, we can talk to different people and get different answers and, and it's the same in seconds. And, and there, there's, there's, uh, there are wrong ways to do this, but there are many right ways to do yeah. it as well. And so you can, you've got all kinds of choices on what you can do based on your preferences and, you know, your philosophy, whatever you want. Yes. That's yeah. really cool. Oh yeah. And so there's also, um, uh, Sabrina Allen. Oh yeah. Uh, yep. And um, um, let's see. Man, you pick some of the best. Oh, yes, yes. They're the goods. They're the goods. All those guys. Yes. They're good. Jazz. So, it's weird the second space, right? What people don't realize about this whole industry is very small. They get into it, and we've seen people like, oh, I'm going to go and broker. And you're like, listen, you, you, this isn't typical real estate where you can come in there and broker, and no one knows who you are. People right. talk. It's so small. So seconds is a very different animal than first. Um, mm -hmm. And most people say, well, I don't know where to start at. What is it about seconds 
besides the cost, that's attractive to an investor that may be getting in. Cost is probably the top one. It's the cheaper way to get into this note investing. And you can buy more than just the one. Right. What are some other advantages of buying in a second position? Um, the other advantages I see is for me, um, I didn't want to, I didn't want to have to take over the property. So if I, you know, I didn't want to have to manage a property. I didn't want to have to evict anyone. Um, I wanted to make sure that my, my whole model was cash flow. So I didn't want anything to do with the property. So, you know, my criteria is always to buy a delinquent second, find a performing first, um, because that, you know, that minimizes the likelihood of me having to take over the property. Um, and that was really key for me. Um, another reason is the homes tended to be uh, nicer and more attractive because a lot of times people will take out a second to imp make improvements on the property, you know, yeah. redo kitchens, baths, put a pool in the back, whatever. So the properties tended to be a little nicer, um, you know, for that reason as well. So, so yeah, those are, those were really the three reasons, the price point, um, you know, the condition of the properties and also the less likelihood of having to take over a property. Yeah. And a lot so of people don't want, everyone wants to get real estate, yeah. so they don't have the property, right? Yeah. And that, you know, when you're in the first, first space, you're worried about that. So yes. that's a great point. That's awesome. Yeah. And there's a high likelihood, in fact, uh, I think, and I, and may, I may be higher than average because I, I buy loans on vacant properties all the time. Uh, that's, that's common for me. So I think my foreclosure or not necessarily the foreclosure rate, but the rate of me taking back a property is like 50%. So it's, it's very likely that I'm going to take back the property so that if you're not interested in that, then yeah. And one way you can minimize that is by first on, on occupied properties. Um, but for me, uh, as long as the num numbers work, that's all I'm really looking at. I don't, I don't really have a, a huge preference one way or the other. Yeah. For me, um, being, you know, highly risk averse, you know, my, my first thought was, you know, if I bought a delinquent first, even if it was occupied, um, I don't know if the homeowner wants to stay in the home or not. They could just be living in it for free, waiting for the foreclosure to happen, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and so I just, I just didn't want to go down that road. Yeah. I, my goal was to, I just wanted to have money flowing into my account uh, without having to do anything with any property. Oh, mailbox money. <laughs> that's it. That, that's what attracted me to the no space. That's what I came here for, you know. Um, but, you know, for investors that are more hands-on, you know, and, you know, and the numbers, you know, really work for you, then, you know, then that's a, that's a you know, that's a great business model. But uh, for me... I was just really looking to cash flow. I didn't want to spend a lot of, I didn't want to spend a lot of time on my note business, quite honestly. You know, I spend maybe about, I want to say a total of five or six hours um, upfront on a particular asset. I get it, uh, you know, I get it back to, uh, to cash flowing. I turn it over to a servicer and then I'm done with it. You know, it's on to the next one.
So you can be out at the lake jogging or rollerblading or whatever. Exactly. <laughs> That's awesome. So let's dive into it, right? For first and seconds. The collateral file all the same, right? The assignments are all the same. The sellers are somewhat different sometimes, right? Some people, you can get seconds from certain people and sometimes not. One of the big differences we see is that in the first phase, of course, there is no performing senior lien or non-performing senior lien. Share how you do that differently. What is the difference between buying a loan that has a performing sec first or non-performing first? And how do you adjust that? And what do you look at for that? And you buy both. Well, <clears throat> I will only buy a delinquent second if the first is current. Mm -hmm. And for the most part has never been late. So that's the number one criteria for me. So if, and if the first mortgage is, is 60 days late, I won't touch it. Mm. And that's because I, you know, I um, am very risk sensitive. So I am, you know, really trying to be careful about, you know, the loans that I pick and choose. So for me, that's the, the major criteria. So how, how have you found um, supply from five years ago to now? Is Have you found a dramatic drop off there or are you still finding enough deals to buy? Yeah, I am. I am still finding enough deals okay. to buy. Yeah. That's really interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, one thing we've realized recently that loans aren't, as, second loans aren't being as created as often as they were in the prime days, right? We're waiting to see some kind of record of, you know, the past year, how many second liens were created with people taking out the equity of their house with the values going up. I haven't seen anything either. I haven't really dived into look, um, but from what I've heard initially, there wasn't as many people taking the equity out into a second. There may have been. Um, have you seen any kind of update on that at all? Have you heard anything about people taking out seconds because they have equity because values are up? Yeah, I have um, gotten a couple of articles that have come across my desk that and um, people taking out the equity in their property. Once the property value started going up, you know, um, the way they have been, people are starting to, you know, take out uh, home equity lines of credit and, you know, second mortgages. Um, which is, you know, which is a good thing for, you know, for us. Mm -hmm. uh, well, you know, eventually. Oh, I think we're losing her feed. Uh, oh, there we go. <laughs> I mean, they, oh. um, but yeah. Definitely we're losing your feed just a little bit, just FYI. So everyone, everyone know it, it cut out there for a second, but I'm glad to see that you're seeing inventory. I'm glad to see because we've heard a lot of okay. issues with seconds having an inventory struggle, right? First, in comparison to what we dealt with years ago has definitely decreased, right? Um, not saying they're gone. We're seeing the inventory. We've seen more in the last quarter. And a lot of uh, people I've dealt with in the past said, just wait till the first quarter. We'll be releasing more. Um, so I'm glad to see the seconds have availability out there. And you don't touch anything with a, a non-performing first. Nothing. Okay. Yeah. If the first is not performing, I won't touch it. 
Do you buy seller finance seconds? Um, I'll pretty much buy any second. Um, <laughs> I mean, really, I, I've bought some very dirty paper. I'll I buy up um, stripped seconds that were stripped in a, a chapter 13 bankruptcy. Yeah, really? I'll, I'll buy those all day. Yeah. yeah. Cool. That's really interesting you mentioned that. Like, for example, and this is one of the reasons that I steer clear of seconds, but maybe I'm just looking at it wrong. So for example, I've got a I've got a first lien on a property down in Florida, and we're completing a foreclosure on that only because the second the second lien holder won't respond. I'm more than happy to pay them off and just oh be done. I've already got a deed in lieu from the from the borrowers, so I I I can get the property, but it's still encumbered by the second. So I have to go through the whole process of of the foreclosure just to clear off the second wow. and if they would just call back i'd happily pay them but instead they're going to be ending up with zero so i i look at that and i go why would you put yourself in second position where that's possible but if there's equity and it's paying then i suppose yeah are, um is it is the second lien holder still around uh yeah and i, I think it's a bigger bank and maybe it's just it, it's a small balance fifteen thousand oh, okay. dollars and maybe it's not worth their time i don't know i'm, I'm oh, okay so it's a bank okay i can't figure out why they're not just returning an email you know it could, i don't know what's cheaper too you could look to do a quiet title too and just remove True. them that way and get them to respond that's yeah great. yeah we're moving through it. i've got aaron on it and we're moving through it and we'll get it done <laughs> shout out there yeah I, it's, it, for me, it's really frustrating because they won't just come to the table and, and accept a payment. And in my mind, they would rather get stripped and just be, you know, washed out rather than talk to me and take a, a discounted payoff. But anyway, it's, yeah. it blows my mind. Yeah, that, that doesn't make sense to me either. Yeah, strange. So it's for me, my, my biggest thing is, is just that takes more time. I don't want to take more yeah. time. I want to do it now. Anyway, so we had a question regarding strips in seconds position, right? Yeah. Can you share what that means and how often do you face it? So <clears throat> when a homeowner uh, files chapter 13 bankruptcy, um, the bankruptcy court wants to know whether or not the first and second mortgage is um, you know, whether it's covered in equity. So the equity position of the property is what kind of comes into question. Um, a lot of times what a homeowner or their attorney will attempt to do is uh, they may say, well, you know, the home is underwater. So um, it's um, the homeowner owes more on the home than what the home is worth. Mm -hmm. And so um, if they have a second mortgage, then there's not enough equity in the property to even partially cover the second. Now there's only $1 in equity that's needed in order to keep the second mortgage lien intact on the property. But if the, um, if the homeowner maybe gets an appraisal done or whatever, and they, they determine that there's not enough equity to even partially cover the second mortgage, then they'll petition the court to strip the lien off 
of the uh, off of the property. So then the second mortgage uh, becomes unsecured uh, mm -hmm. and is considered unsecured debt, uh, similar to credit card debt. So if the homeowner actually completes the bankruptcy plan, uh, which is typically a five-year plan, then the lien will be taken off the property. So that's what it means uh, for the second mortgage to be stripped. That's How often have you seen that? I didn't know that. Um, well, it, it happens quite a bit now since, you know, um, home values have increased, you know, mm -hmm. it's less likely to, uh, to occur in this market, but, um, but it, you know, it happens quite a bit, but the great thing, um, you know, about that is when you're doing due diligence uh, on seconds, that's one of the things that you want to be mindful of is, you know, what is the, uh, the equity position of the property, mm -hmm. you know, um, it's, and you determine what your equity buffer is. So you know what's owed on the first, you know the value of the home, yeah. you know the unpaid principal balance on the second, you know, how much above that do you want to be? You know, 5,000, 10,000, 20,000, you know, how much equity, um, you know, would you like to see above the first? Interesting. Yeah, I, I didn't know that, they, that that second lien still existed. I thought it was just completely wiped out. I didn't know it became unsecured. Hmm, learn something new. <clears throat> like a personal debt then, right? You still, yeah. you can't foreclose on it, but you still can collect on it. Yeah. Um, interesting. So when, when those kind of things happen, do you have remedies to fight that? Um, you know, if it's close, then, you know, you can get the, the property appraised and, you know, you can, uh, you know, you can dispute it. Um, but, you know, in some cases, you know, back a couple of years ago, you know, you, you pretty much know that it, the home is underwater or it's so close. Once the, you know, the first mortgage, um, you know, once you add in legal fees and things like that, you're just too, too close um, uh, for, to, to argue it basically. We've been in situations where we've knocked out a second, not stripped it, but knocked out a second foreclosure. We're doing it for 10 years now, and I've probably done it a bunch where the property value dropped and we go to sell at auction and the second gets nothing, right? Um, and I, I look back and say, boy, I wonder who bought that second. But you would, I, I would, from our experience doing this for as long as I've been doing it, those assets that are underwater are priced usually much more aggressive or it's just cheaper to buy because of fact the equity is missing. So I would presume right now those assets are probably at a prime cost. Would that be fair to say? Yeah, yeah, that would be fair to say. I mean, the foreclosure and the bankruptcy are really two different scenarios. Mm -hmm. um, so it, for me, it, it would be extremely rare if um, if I bought a second mortgage on a home that was in for the first was foreclosing, uh, because my criteria right out the gate is that the first has to be performing and not just newly performing, but it has to be performing for, yeah. for years. I mean, they basically uh, have not missed a payment in years. 
And so that would be extremely rare for me. Now, a person could um, file bankruptcy at any time, even mm -hmm. though they're current with the first mortgage. So that could happen at any time. Of course. So before I purchase, I am looking at the equity position of the property. And if the home is underwater, they're current on the first, but the, but the property is, you know, um, is underwater then, you know, I got to think about the likelihood that I may reach out to this homeowner about paying the second. And then that's the straw that breaks the camel's back. They get afraid. They file, you know, chapter yeah. 13. And, you know, now they're petitioning to strip the second, which I know the second will probably be stripped because I already knew the equity position before mm -hmm. I purchased the loan. Yeah. Um, so then I have to be okay with it uh, being stripped doesn't mean that I'm not going to get paid in the bankruptcy. There's probably a 90% chance that I'm still going to get paid through the bankruptcy court. I'll be paid as an unsecured creditor, but because most of the time I am the largest unsecured creditor, I'm going to get a larger share of that payment from the bankruptcy trustee. So it's interesting. Yeah, so I'll still be getting paid on that on that note through the bankruptcy court. Cool. Which yeah. is why I'll buy those loans. Sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. Once you get that bankruptcy court, you can still collect on that loan. You can still collect on that debt because it's still a personal debt that that person owes you. It's just not secured to the property any longer, and that lien is released and whatnot. Cool. Yes. So, so how do you how do you source yeah. deals, Daphne? Because I know yeah. uh, I've had people ask me before, do you have any seconds? And I say I don't even ever look for them, so no one ever sends them to me. So I don't before ever see you them. answer that, though, I want to let them yeah. know that giving away sources is one of our biggest things we we try to share. Right? Yeah. And there's a couple of reasons why we don't. Um, we talked about it last week, you know, but we'll give some generalities. I can give you the fact Daphne's name, but you're not going to reach out Daphne cold call or call email her and say, give me assets. She's not going to have the same relationship she does with me, right? And when you reach out, they're not going to trust who you are. So mm -hmm. you, it's a networking relation. So, I, you know, we get this question all the time, right? Where can we get assets from? Even if they give you the name, which I don't often do because that's our bread and butter, the relationship's different. But with that said, where do you turn in general to look for assets? Oh gosh, I um, I have bought directly from banks and credit unions. Um, I do have relationships um, in certain states, uh, but I also will buy loans from anywhere. So I, I you know, different brokers. Um, also, I mean, I've bought loans off of Craigslist. Believe it or not. Wow. Yes. Um, the due diligence is the same. You know, I still have to check everything that I would normally check. Um, and, you know, but anywhere, actually. Um, really interesting. Yeah, attorneys, real estate really cool. attorneys, asset managers. Um, uh, yeah. So the, the due diligence, that's... Yes. That's, I think, the, the other thing that separates the first from the second investor is what kind of due diligence and the extent. <clears throat> I know from the first perspective, we're, we're very interested in the property and the right. value because there's a very good chance we're gonna take it back. 
um, I almost never, like I, I will glance over the borrower, but I really don't pay much attention to the borrower at all. Um, I don't care. <laughs> right. But I think in seconds I've, I've heard. And so I want to confirm that, that that's much different. You're much more concerned with the borrower. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I, other than the equity position of the property and whether or not it's occupied. Now for me, I like for the, the property to be occupied by the borrower. Um, mm -hmm. Some other investors in seconds don't really care about that, but um, you know, for a person investing in seconds, we are concerned with the borrower paying us. So we are, we want to, we want to look at, uh, we want to get as much information about the borrower as we can, you know, um, just, you know, what their credit history is, what they're doing with their credit. Mm -hmm. So we're trying to assess the likelihood that they are able and willing to pay. And, and how much do you look at the credit score versus the credit history? Um, I don't really care too much about the credit score. Yeah. Uh, I'm mostly concerned with the credit history because if they are, if they're delinquent on their second mortgage, something has usually happened to cause that. And so right. I'm not expecting them to have a 700 credit score. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, these are scratch and dent. <laughs> loans. And so I, you know, that's what I'm expecting. But if I look at the credit history and I see a lot of medical debt, you know, that tells me, okay, something has happened. And, you know, this is about how long ago it was. And, yeah. you know, um, what is this borrower's, um, you know, occupation? What are, what are they doing? Are they trying to reestablish their credit? What are they mm -hmm. doing as of late? Um, these are things that I'm very much concerned about. You know, do they uh, have children that you know also live in the in the home? Mm -hmm. uh, have they filed bankruptcy before? Mm -hmm. um, you know, what's the likelihood that they may file bankruptcy again? Are they repeat bankruptcy filers? I mean, anything and everything to do with that borrower is important to me. Not so much as the property. Um, I've bought seconds on properties that were in very economically depressed areas that they're mm -hmm. vacant lots all over the place. Mm -hmm. uh, but if there's a, you know, a lady and, you know, she's 62 years old and, you know, she's lived in that house for most of her life, she's not giving up that property, yeah. you know? And so I'll buy that loan. It doesn't matter if she's yeah. living in a war zone. Um, because I know that she's going to pay. She's not going to give up that house. Like so, that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I did in past years, I did a lot more origination. So I would look at um, credit, credit reports a lot more often. And, and that's one of the things that I found is if there's a bunch of medical debt on there, oh my goodness, I don't care. That's, that's a, that has so little to do with their uh, capacity and ability to pay that, uh, that, it, you know, wipe it off. I, I don't even look at that. I say, Oh, medical. Okay, great. And then keep going and see what else there is. Mm -hmm. That's really interesting. It's interesting to say that, right? Cause for us, I've been told the to pull credit report when my first, but it's like more of a curiosity than a need, yeah. right? I don't care if they can pay or not. If they don't pay, I have, I have, I'm in the driver's seat, right? 
Um, we were talking about this in our mastermind the other night is that second position liens are also a little bit riskier. You may have to put it on the shelf for a couple of years to things just kind of come around. Where first you're taking action pretty much right away. And typically you don't put it on the shelf. I think for me, seconds um, is a great situation to get involved with because you can buy a bunch. And if something goes wrong with one or two of them, you have the other ones kind of balance out the deals. Um, but I think for me, seconds, like what Nathan's saying is we're all about the property. And it's not that I want the property back. It's that I can understand, come from real estate background, that real estate's all I'm really going for. And to evaluate a person, it was difficult for me because we've seen news articles of evictions not being able to happen and people buying brand new cars, not paying the rent payment. So their ability to pay is there, but their desire is just gone. So when you're going through that due diligence process, you're pulling the O&E, of course, you're pulling that, you know, the title, the, the, um, the, 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 the credit report. Is there anything you focus a lot in on those credit reports or, or even the O&E that you drill down in to make sure that this loan is what you're looking for? Well, I'm looking at what the borrower is doing with their credit. And I'm trying to determine the likelihood that they may file bankruptcy. So if I see that they have over, a, you know, I don't know, 80,000 in debt, then it's, you know, and maybe they've never filed bankruptcy before, then it's a good possibility that they may file bankruptcy. Mm -hmm. Well, if I have to take that into consideration, you know, when I'm determining whether or not I should buy this loan. So if I look at the credit report and I say, wow, this person has an awful lot of debt. Um, they're current on the first mortgage. They're keeping up with that first mortgage payment, never been late a day on it, but they've got almost a hundred grand in debt. Mm -hmm they may file bankruptcy if they get a letter from me demanding that they start paying the second. If they do, how much equity is in this property? What's the likelihood that I'm gonna get stripped? Okay, so that's kind of how these pieces are fitting together. Um, I want to know who the, you know, who the borrower's employer is. Are they still employed? You know, are yeah. they still working? Um, you know, so these are the types of things that I'm, I'm looking for when I'm looking at the credit report, not so much as the score, but I'm trying to determine what is their debt load, because I don't know what their salary is. But from the credit report, I know what their debt load is, and I can ascertain the likelihood that they may try and offload that debt in a bankruptcy. Now, if they recently filed or if they are in an occupation that prohibits them from filing bankruptcy, then it's, you know, okay, this is great. Yeah, I've had that happen before. Where I've had a borrower that, you know, had city contracts and she could not file bankruptcy without, you know, her whole business going down the drain. So, you know, it was, it was very easy to, you know, to work out something with her because bankruptcy was not an option. Mm -hmm. Well, most people also don't know, and you, you hit some good nail on the heads here, is that, you know, government um, military 
employees, if they start their debt, their FICO score goes down, they can lose security clearances. Yeah. So, yeah. So it's a big deal that these people cannot start missing. If they miss one or two payments, they got to catch up because they can lose their job in the military. It's crazy. Yeah. You know, in a due diligence process, do you pull BPOs or how do you come up with a value or do you just kind of go off of what you see because it's, it's a weighted measure. You really, really care about the person, not as much about the property, but you have to care a little bit. How, what do you typically pull to kind of review value? Um, actually, I don't necessarily need a BPO because I just need to have an idea of the equity position of the property. So mm-hmm. I'll maybe compare what I get on Zillow and, you know, some of the other sites. I'll look at, you know, uh, home values in that area and then, you know, look at how much the, the, the person owes on their first mortgage. And so that gives me an idea of the, the equity position. So I don't need it to be exact, but I have a, a threshold. So I want to at least be able to say, okay, they bought this home way back here. You know, this is what they owe on it. They've been living in it for 15 years or whatever the case is. And, um, you know, this is what the home values are. And based off of, you know, three bedrooms, two baths and, you know, in this neighborhood or whatever, that's good enough for me. If I say, well, you know, they've at least got $20,000 in equity or $30,000 in equity, that's good enough for me uh, because I only need a dollar in equity. But if I've got that much, I know that I'm, I'm good to go. Yeah. So that's really all I need. I don't need a BPO or an appraisal. So a few people on our feed are asking Daphne about your beginner's course. I know we have some, you have some, and the reason we connected was I had another investor who shared, um, getting on a phone call with her and she's like, oh, I've worked with Daphne, but we've heard, I've heard a lot, I'm sure Nathan has too, with a lot of education programs out there, either being expensive or not, but they miss a lot of the key things that I, I shake my head at. And one of the things that I heard was about, you know, tape headers or whatnot. You talk about that stuff. Um, so, you know, we're, the, the nice stuff to post your beginner series into the feed. But it, I think a lot of people miss out on some of the key things to understand what they're looking at, right? We can understand the investment side, but we get to take that in and they see all these different fields and never, ever are they the same column headers, it seems like. Right. It's amazing that people don't either A, understand it, or B, get educated because some of those fields are a huge deal, right? We talk about the difference between the last payment received and the paid to date are completely different dates and people get confused, you know? So I want to give you kudos because I was amazed when talking to this person about how I've heard so many other programs out there miss those things and not share it and it's crucial. With seconds, when you get a tape of seconds, is there something on there that besides, you know, a lot of times you don't get the balance of the first. You have to pull a credit report to see that. Is there something on the, on the tape of the seconds that you see that you focus on that is a big thing to you that you need to know more about? And if it's missing, what do you, you know, what's missing that you need to know? Um, the first thing I need to know, even if I don't have the balance of the uh, the first, 
I need to at least know if it's current. Gotcha. If it's 30 days late or 60 days late or whatever, that's what I need to know. I need to know the status of the first. Sure. And is that uh, on the tape? Is that usually part of that tape? Yeah, it's yeah. usually on the tape. Uh, even if the balance, the UPB of the first is not on there, the status of the first um, pretty much always is on a tape. Okay. Yeah. Most so, of what we see is mixed bag, right? We'll see first and seconds. And to tell you the truth, the ones we, we do see that mixed bag doesn't include anything. And typically, they didn't have a balance of the first. It's like, there's a first lien. This is the second. So figure out yourself. And it's like, okay, wait a minute. I don't even know what going on here so i can't make a bid offer on the second mm -hmm. um, without doing more due diligence and for me it's not worth to dive into that because you just it's it not worth the home for us when you're pricing out a second do you guys use a bidding model calculator do you guys go off of you know scenarios uh yes there is a uh, somewhat loosely defined uh, pricing model um, that you know takes into consideration kind of the, the bigger things you know like um, the status of the first um, the um, um, what I want to say the equity position of the property um, whether it's a, a judicial or non-judicial state. Um, uh, let's see what else. Um, those are really kind of the the big three there. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Um, and before we get to the question I posted on here, um, are you going to be attending kind of no conferences coming up at all? Some people yeah. asked about that. Are you going to be what conferences are you be at so they can connect with you and network with you? Um, I always go to um, to the uh, Note Expo and also the Paper Source uh, Note Symposium. Awesome. I haven't heard anything about Paper Source yet, though. Yeah, we had them on. We didn't. We have. Uh, well, I know Tom's done some stuff recently, but I know that yeah. um, they did some kind of like twenty person. I think it was mastermind kind of thing. So they're not doing a full conference this year, um, like they have in the past, from my knowledge. Um, but yeah, so guys, me and Nathan will be there. Daphne will be there as well. Um, this is one of the big questions. I'll let Nathan ask. This is one of the questions I think most people ask us other than the general, right? Yeah. So go ahead, Nathan. I'll let you ask it while I... Yeah. Uh, and this is a, a good question. I think if this is everybody when they're getting started. This is the question. Is it appropriate if they're asking how much should I, a brand person, excuse me, how much should a brand new person to note investing expect costs to be? Ah, uh, like how much? Basically, how much money do you need to get started? Is to get another started. Way of yeah. Okay. Well, that's a good question. Um, you know, when I got started, and and even now, my costs are actually very minimal. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I don't view uh, my note business as like a business, like a traditional home-based business, um, notes to me are an investment. You know, it's like a, it's like me investing in anything else, stocks or crypto or whatever. I just happen to, you know, have assets that are notes. I have other types of assets as well that I don't make like a whole business out of it per se. Um, they're just assets that I own that are part of my portfolio. Um, as such, 
I have, um, I think my business expenses amount to less than $500 a year. Wow, that's um, awesome. Yeah. So, you know, um, I don't have a website. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I do have, um, you know, a domain for my, my email. Um, <laughs> yeah. I have, a, um, you know, a, a mailbox for my business. I have, a, you know, an 800 number, um, you know, fax, things like that. But I think in all total, it's less than $500 a year, um, you know, for my business. And then, you know, then the assets that I purchase. So since seconds are so inexpensive, for the most part, um, on average, um, I spend about $2,000 to $8,000 per asset mm -hmm. um, when I buy a note. I've bought notes for less than that. I've, I've bought notes for $200. Um, I've bought notes for more than that, you know, $17,000. But for the most part, they're $2,000 to $8,000 per asset. Wow. So, and what, what size are those? Well, like what's a, a nine paid balance on that second? Um, it's about anywhere from thirty to sixty thousand. Okay, cool. So everyone out there, you can get involved in the space. Um, one of the costs that goes involved in any note purchase is servicing. Do you typically service yourself, or you hand it out to a third party servicer? I always hand it off to a third party servicer. Always. That's what keeps me in compliance. You know, with um, you know federal and local. Um, you know, regulations. And it's what puts this whole thing on automatic pilot for me, <laughs> quite honestly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, um, once I turn it over, I don't have to, you know, I don't have to think about it anymore. I do work out my loans um, with my homeowners directly. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, I'm, I'm working it out with them. I help come up with a, um, with a payment arrangement, um, you know, whatever amount that they're going to pay to reinstate the loan. Um, with me, which is usually um, what I pay for it. So that's, mm -hmm. that's the first order of business. If I pay $5,000 uh, for an asset, when I reinstate it, I'm going to have the homeowner reinstated for what I paid for it. Mm -hmm. And then cash flow to monthly payments for, you know, for the next 15 years or however long. And um, so that's, you know, once I come up with that, I have the homeowner sign it, it's notarized. I get a voided check. I send that off to the servicer. They handle it after that. And I'm, I'm done and on to the next asset. That's awesome. It's awesome. Socho is a different space, but it's all the same space, right? Yeah. Um, you know, we've been involved with the first space and CFDs and whatnot. And buying second to us is performing, we buy it and let it kill on autopilot for us, right? We don't mix with that. One of the questions we get oftentimes is when there's not performing second, what is your typical process to get it rehabbed? Okay, that's a great question. So one of the first things um, I'm going to do is um, I reach out to the homeowner usually a couple of times. Um, they're going to get a, you know, a hello letter, obviously, and, um, you know, and then they're going to get a, you know, a notice of of default or delinquency. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm going to encourage them to reach out to me. I may reach out to them. But when I talk to them, there's a, a couple of things that will happen. I've reached out to some homeowners and they, you know, and they may say, well, gosh, you know, nobody's contacted me about this loan in forever. 
I've been waiting for somebody to call me. I'm ready to pay, you know? And so then, <laughs> so then they'll just pay. Or, you know, uh, quite a few times, um, you know, I'll reach out to a homeowner and then they'll say, um, you know, we, we don't want to be bothered with this second. We're just going to pay the whole thing off and be done with it, you know? And so that happens. Um, but then, you know, uh, more often than not, the homeowner, because they're current on the first, you know, they're not trying to lose their home. So they're like, okay, you know, what can we do here? And so, you know, I will, um, I have in my mind what I would like. So I'll, you know, I'll, I'll offer that. If that's not something they're able to do, then I'll just uh, request their financials. So, you know, here, here's a worksheet, you know, provide your, um, you know, your, your income and expenses. I may require other information like uh, tax returns and, um, you know, paycheck stubs, uh, things like that. And then I'm going to take that information and I'm going to come up with uh, usually three options. And I'm going to talk to the homeowner about each of those three options. And I'm going to say, you know, which, which one is going to work best for you and, you know, let them choose that. And once we come to an agreement, I'll draft it up, send it off, they sign it, have it notarized, um, and then send it back. And that's usually how that process works. That's cool. So in those three options, do you usually have a favorite? Um, yeah, the first yeah. option is always to, uh, is a discounted payoff. Okay. You know, pay the loan off for less than what they owe. And yeah. I make it a really sweet deal, right? <laughs> they, they Maybe they owe $50,000 and maybe I paid 6,000 for the loan. Yeah. You know, so it's easy and sure. like, this is great. So the discounted payoff is always number one. How often do you, in the first phase, we do a lot. We just file legal. We don't even bother with all those headaches and conversations. How often do you guys just file legal to get the ball rolling on that side? Do you do that often? Um, I usually will do that after about eight weeks. Okay. So I, I do have a very, a fairly aggressive timeline to get the loan back to performing. And one of the ways to do that is to, uh, is to start the legal process early on. Uh, because of course, legal will create a sense of urgency yeah. uh, to get it resolved. Yeah. Uh, but I will try and reach out a couple of times because I have had experiences, like I said before, where the homeowner is like, hey, and I've been waiting to pay. Nobody's called me about this loan in you know, however long. Um, so I do give them a chance to come to the table on their own. But uh, after, you know, after about five weeks, six weeks, then I will engage legal. Yeah. Hmm, that's awesome. So we're asking everybody uh, with, with everything that's been going on the last year and a half and everything, um, you know, pre-COVID, post-COVID, I don't know if we can say that quite yet, but <laughs> maybe, right? Um, what's, your, what's your crystal ball? What do you see uh, in the you know near midterm and long-term future uh, for this business? Are, are you expecting to see a lot more defaults resulting in more inventory or, or what do you think? Um, I think that what I'm, 
what I'm thinking is that as people, um, you know, focus on getting back on track with their first mortgages, um, you know, after all of this is over, the forbearances and all this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they focus on, you know, getting back on track with the, with the first mortgage that may be other, um, other debt will kind of take a back seat because mm -hmm. even if a person mm -hmm. is, um, even if a person is struggling financially, um, maybe, you know, all the resources they have are going towards keeping that first mortgage current. Right. You know, so there may be uh, more second mortgage delinquencies as a result of that. And, and other delinquencies, student loan debt and, yep. you know, credit card yep. debt and other things may take a, a back seat to keeping up with that first mortgage, which is fine because, um, you know, that creates more opportunity uh, in the second space, because basically, you know, they're trying to do what we want them to do anyway. We're trying to keep them in their home also. Yeah. We're not interested in taking over the property either. So mm -hmm. the fact that they are uh, working towards keeping that first mortgage current, um, you know, we're just saying, okay, this is great. Let's get you back on track with your second. What And just finding out what they can do, because there's so many creative things that you can do in the second space. You know, even if a person is only able to make a $100 payment for the next yep. four months, mm -hmm. you know, maybe month five, that can be $150. Or maybe mm -hmm. we can gradually increase that, you know, to a point where it's, you know, a payment that, you know, is the payment they actually should be making. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we're able to really work with the homeowner on that. Oh, that's great. Very interesting. It's always good to get the second perspective. I, in my mind, what I kind of finally came to is the first mortgage um, perspective is a shorter term with the, the second being the longer term strategy. Mm. And, and that's not exact and it's not, you know, exactly how that goes, but that, that kind yeah. of idea where it's kind of a shorter term, longer term kind of approach to, to notes. Yeah. That's how flipping, I flipping second is not very common. Yeah. So, you know, you either you buy a shelf it or you buy it, perform it or whatever, unless you flip rehab it. Right. So yeah. cool. Well, huh. Daphne, I'm looking forward to seeing you in the, just about a week from now. Right. I'll be flying in on Thursday um, and whatnot. I love to see all you guys out there um, just talking. Please do yourself a favor. Introduce yourself. Um, just say hello. We're, we talked to a lot of people, shake hands and say who you are and say how we may, maybe even talked on the phone before. So I look forward to connect with Daphne in person uh, yeah. down there um, and just get together and just sharing information, right? Be, it's our time to kind of get together and talk. Um, I haven't been on a conference this year yet, so I'm really looking forward to getting down there um, Thursday evening or so and then spending some time with you guys. Um, hopefully everyone gets down there safe. If you are looking to go down there and you don't have a ticket yet, let us know. We'll get a discount code um, and just sharing ideas. So awesome. Daphne, I thank you very much for joining us on a Friday afternoon. Hopefully you don't get too much rain out there or if you've already bypassed you, that's awesome. Um, I hope that everyone out there has got a lot of nuggets out of here. I know Nathan and I have, 
Yeah. Um, it's something we're always learning about. So I appreciate you guys coming on. You have to come on and joining us. And uh, if anyone has any questions, we'll make sure to get in touch with you. Um, she, or I think they're they're tagging your your series on the on the feed, so that's awesome too. So, cool. great, Very cool. Thanks so much. Thank you. Okay. Yeah, kill this.